So the title of what I'm sharing with you, it's an interesting title, The Ancient Paths. That's what I'm speaking about this morning. Please turn so long to the book of Jeremiah as uh, we are looking at the ancient paths this morning. And you can turn so long to Jeremiah chapter six. We'll get to the specific verse in a few moments time. And so here in Jeremiah chapter six, we find a fascinating verse of scripture. I find it fascinating. And it is right in the middle of the chapter. And I see it as something of like a beautiful jewel that is right in the heart of chapter six. Now the context in which we find this verse, I think that is important as well. So the context is that Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem is about to be judged by God. They're about to be judged for their disobedience, for their wickedness because the city became full of things like wickedness, lack of respect for God. There was no more respect for God. People would literally mock the ways of God. The city had become known for its rebellion, for its greedy people. It became to be known for its corruption. It sounds uh, similar to today in one sense. And it also says that they were shameless because they might do something treacherous, something really displeasing to God. They didn't even blush. They weren't ashamed. They couldn't care. Their hearts had become hard towards God. And so in the midst of this waywardness, God speaks a clear word, a clarion call to his people. And this is it in Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Specifically in the NIV version is uh, what I'm using in this verse today. Jeremiah 6.16 in the NIV says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for, and hear these three words, the ancient paths. Isn't that interesting? Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. The Lord bless the reading of his word, amen. And uh, now I'd like to just read it in two more versions of the Bible. Firstly, uh, verse 16, in the Amplified Classic Edition, it says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the eternal paths. The NIV says the ancient paths. The Amplified says the eternal paths, where the good old way is. Then walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't it lovely how God always wants to bring his people to a place of rest? He wants to bring us to the promised land to the place of rest. Now, just one more version is the expanded Bible. I like the way it's put in the expanded Bible. It says, this is what the Lord says, stand where the roads cross, at the crossroads, and look, ask where the old, eternal, enduring way is. You hear that? The old, eternal, enduring way is, where the good way is, and walk on it. If you do, you will find rest for your souls. 
I don't know about you, I find this to be a beautiful and a fascinating passage, isn't it? And it says, the ancient paths. Say those three words with me, the ancient paths. One more time, the ancient paths. I'm thinking to myself, wow, what a concept. Some of you might be listening today and you've never ever heard this verse in your life. Well, it's a little jewel. I believe that God's gonna cause to come alive in your heart and mind. And perhaps in this verse of scripture, there is a picture of a traveler. And this traveler is going to a certain city, a certain destination, and along the way, this traveler comes to a crossroads, and he doesn't know where to go. He, he, he could go that way, or, or that way, or that way, and he's really unsure which way does he go. And then at last, he finds someone who seems to know the correct route and this person, he asks this person, and this person gives directions, and then as a result, he gets the right directions, and he is able to continue, this traveler can continue on his journey. And you know what, because of following the right path, and continuing on the right path, then what happens is he arrives at the correct intended destination, and he can rest for the night in that city, he can find rest for his soul. So there's like this picture of a traveler in all of this. And as I'm sharing on this, um, there's a couple of things that I wanna highlight. The one thing is this, seeking the next new thing. Seeking the next new thing, this tendency to seek the next new thing. You see, people are often looking for something new. They wanna know what is trending, what is new, what is the next big thing, the next big new thing that is gonna happen. They don't want something old, they are looking for something new. Now I realize when it comes to technology, that's probably a good way to go because you want the latest device and the upgrades and so on. However, when it comes to truth, and when it comes to religion, if I can put it that way, it could potentially be very dangerous. What are some of the new things that people are looking for today? What are the new philosophies that the people are looking for? We could probably list quite a few things if we took some time to do that, but certainly people are looking for new things. And Paul, the apostle Paul, he was in the city of Athens and he noticed the idolatry of the people in Athens. And he became aware that these people were just wanting something new, something new. What's the latest idea of life? Something new. And it says in Acts 17, verse 21, it says, now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would, listen to this, spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. <laughs> this is not new to humanity, the pursuit of something new. <laughs> and in this city, it seems like there was this sort of like center square, there was also this uh, sort of idol or statue to the unknown God, and here they would come and they would talk about what's new, what's the new philosophy, you know what? It wasn't getting them very far at all. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 14, it says that we, as the people of God, should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. 
And I wanna say that the pursuit of new things or new ideas will probably end up leading you astray. I think of a person that was part of our church. He's not part of our church anymore and he uh, began to spend a lot of time pursuing new ideas and new philosophies. And so he would spend endless hours every night because he struggled from insomnia. He would spend endless hours Googling this, that, and the next thing on the internet, searching and reading up about new ideas and new philosophies. What do you think the fruit was in his life from that? (laughs) Well, it didn't produce much fruit at all. It actually began to consume his time. It's as though he began to be addicted to looking for something new. And then one day he came and met with me and he began to explain some of these ideas because he thought that I'd lost the plot because I was not preaching from the King James Version. And he said, you must only preach from the King James Version. I'm listening to this guy and I'm thinking, I'm not too sure that I agree with you, but I was just politely listening to him speak. And and then I discovered that there was many events in history that he was of the opinion never took place. He was also of the opinion that there was no landing on the moon ever. He was of the opinion that uh, there were never planes that flew into the Twin Towers because he'd begun to read all these things. And he said to me, John, also you need to realize there is no Holy Spirit. That's what he said. He said, John, you need to realize that the Trinity does not exist. And he also began to tell me that you need to realize that we live on a flat earth. The earth is not round. And I thought to myself, but yet, We have visuals, photos, images taken from outer space where we can see the earth is round. You know what? Some people professing to be wise are just given over to foolishness. And so I remember my dad would say some people are educated beyond their intellect. And I sat with this man and I thought, you know what? You are going on the wrong path. You shouldn't be doing this. And it damaged his testimony and it damaged his relationships in his marriage and in his family. It damaged it. I wanna tell you, according to Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, there is a way. Now remember, we're talking ancient paths. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it lies in destruction. And so this tendency to seek the new thing, the new idea, the new philosophy may be highly detrimental. Another thing that I wanna say is pursue the ancient paths. That is the good way. Let me say that again. Pursue the ancient paths. That is the good way. And in this pandemic, it has literally caused the world to become flooded with confusion, with uncertainty and even chaos. Do you agree with that? I mean, we have gone through upheaval in planet Earth in recent times. And you know what? I think in that context, more than ever now, we need the ancient paths. Come on, more than ever we need the ancient paths because these are the paths that provide steadiness. They provide steadfastness. These ancient paths They provide hope in times of trouble and the ancient paths provide safety. And you know what? These are the same ancient paths that were traveled by people like Enoch, like Noah, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
David, Moses, Daniel. It's the same ancient paths that were traveled by people like, like Matthew, like John, like Luke, people like Paul, like Timothy and others. And you know what? We are called to follow on these same ancient paths of those who have gone before us. And I wanna tell you this, let it be known clearly today, there has never been another way, nor will there ever be another way that leads to life. And it says in Matthew 7 verse 14 in the NIV, it says, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only few find it. And so I wanna say to you, there is no better way, there is no other way. We should pursue the ancient path because that is the good way. Can I get an amen from somebody? Thank you. By the way, great having a couple of people that I hear an amen. Now, the last thing that I wanna say this morning is what are the ancient paths? These paths that we should pursue because Maybe in reading about it so far, it can seem a little poetic, the ancient paths. It can seem perhaps even a little bit cryptic. So what are the ancient paths? Well, in the days of Jeremiah, when this was written, the ancient paths would probably have referred to the five books of Moses and also of the, the, the books and writings of the prophets. However, nowadays, the ancient paths would refer to the entire Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. And so simply boiled down into a nutshell, pursuing the ancient paths means pursuing the ways of God as revealed in Scripture. There it is. If you're still confused about the ancient paths, that's what it is all about. The ancient paths is all about pursuing the ways of God as revealed in the scriptures. You know what? God took great care to get the scriptures to us. And they are faithful, they are reliable, they are the word of God, they are the ancient paths. And so these ancient paths is it is the right way for living. It is the path that leads to life. And this is the path that God has walked, uh, sorry, he has, um, he has marked out for us. This is also the path that has been walked and trodden by saints right through from the beginning. And so this path, I would submit to you, is well-worn, is clear. As you look at the lives of the saints down through Scripture, you see how they followed faithfully. And I believe that we should do the same. <laughs> In a world where there is much confusion, where there's much uncertainty, not knowing what is right and what is wrong, the ancient paths are presented to us. Just say, God, I ask for the ancient paths. And I thank you for your word. I will follow your word. Now, there's a song that was made popular by Michael W. Smith probably 10 or 15 years ago. And it's the song entitled Ancient Words. And just the chorus, this is what it says. Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true, 
Changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true. Changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Isn't that so beautiful? A beautiful song. I remember listening to it many, many times. And just as I'm wrapping up, Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He leads me in the paths. Notice that word. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know what paths of righteousness sound like to me? It sounds like the ancient paths. Wow. The ancient paths. And so I want to say to you listening to me today, that we are confronted with a choice, if not on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And the choice is, are we gonna follow God's ancient way? Are we gonna follow the ancient paths or are we gonna follow a path of our own choosing? You know, I wanna encourage you that you do not wander off of the ancient path but faithfully follow the way of God. Because you know what? It will bring you to life. It will bring you to the right destination. And as you walk in the ancient paths, according to the scripture, God says, you will find rest for your souls. And so when we pursue the ancient paths of God, you know what? We stop looking for other ways because we know that we have found the way. Praise God. Does anyone receive the word this morning? Amen, I trust you do. And now in, uh, in these moments, I'd like to move over to partaking in communion. And uh, I wanna just declare that communion is not only something that gets served by a pastor or a man of the cloth, Every one of us, as children of God, we can partake in communion, served at home, served in your life group, whatever it may be. God put the ministry in the hands of the people. And so please have the bread ready and the cup ready. And I'd like to read this verse of scripture to you. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26 from the NLT. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Remember, this is the Last Supper. They're eating around the table. And the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you, do this to remember me. And I wanna say to you, these same words of Jesus apply to us today. You might say, well, I had a bad attitude the other day, or I swore at the dog or something like that. Don't let condemnation stop you because this is for you. And Jesus says to you today, this is my body which is given for you, do this to remember me. And then in the same way he took the cup of wine, after supper saying, this cup 
is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. You know what? There is no better ratification than a covenant confirmed by the blood of Jesus. Confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's lift up the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, as we hold this bread in our hand, we know that this speaks of the body of Jesus. As we break this wafer, we remind ourselves, Lord, of what you went through in the lead up to the cross and on the cross and the incredible price you paid for us, the incredible suffering you went through, but you did it because you love us. You love us so incredibly much. And so, Lord, as we partake of this, we just say thank you for the work of the cross. Thank you that you paid the penalty for our sins. Thank you that your body was broken so that we could be made whole. The body of the Lord broken for you. And now, Heavenly Father, we lift up the cup. According to Scripture, the cup represents the blood of Jesus. I wanna tell you that this is the greatest privilege of all, that we can partake in this covenant meal. And I wanna tell you, this blood was shed for you to wash and cleanse you and to make you righteous. And so, Lord, we wanna thank you. We also just take a moment to say, Lord, for anything that we've said or done lately that hasn't been right, we're sorry, Lord. We wanna walk pleasing to you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lord shed for you. Now, would you allow just a moment of gratitude as the worship team is coming up right now? Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your body. And Lord, I thank you that we are able to partake in communion, which is something that those Old Testament saints would have loved to have done. But we have the glorious privilege of having the blood of Jesus applied to our lives, which means the veil is gone and we come totally boldly and with confidence into your throne of grace. So we thank you, Lord, that we are righteous because of Jesus. Condemnation, be gone in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you now as we continue to just worship you right now. You can take the pulpit off stage. Lord, as we continue to worship you, I thank you that your name will be glorified. I thank you that the name of the Lord of of hosts is lifted high in this place. Be exalted, be exalted, be exalted, Lord. Be glorified. You are our Savior, and we honor you, Lord.